The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello there, I'm Chuck Todd, and this is the Chuck Todd Cast. It's Wednesday, November 10th, at least I think it's still Wednesday, uh, whatever day of the week it is, about 9 a.m. We've obviously been up all night uh, dealing with the midterms, Uh, and I'll go ahead and quote Lindsey Graham, uh, who was on our air last night, when he said, it is definitely not a Republican wave. I think that is quite the understatement. So let's digest it all. Let's figure out everything we think we learned so far last night and to give you a little hint of where we think things are going with the vote count joined today by the rest of the uh nbc news political unit bridget bowman ben Kemisar, and mark murray well uh mark i'll just let's start with our lead we, we asked this question before the midterms uh, what what's the stronger force in american politics the fundamentals of of the sort of political environment presidential job approval rating in the mid 40s the uh dissatisfaction with the economy or polarization uh particularly in the trump era and boy did we get a i think we got a a reminder of the power of polarization uh and the sort of the negative power of donald trump on the democratic base yeah chuck you know i i've always been a big fundamentals guy this cycle and in past midterm environments uh and when you end up looking at the totality of our poll there were a lot of pieces of evidence this was going to be a big republican night with president biden's job rating the 81 percent are dissatisfied with the state of the economy the 72 percent who think the country's headed in the wrong direction but you're exactly right that polarization and, and especially the democratic enthusiasm really did seem to be the story from last night even as we end up counting votes in other races today. And Chuck, I'll point one other thing from our poll, which I think was a big hint and maybe didn't get as much of attention when we released our survey. We asked the question, what is your bigger concern? That President Biden and the Democrats will kind of keep the status quo if they end up keep keeping control of Congress? Or is your bigger concern that Republicans will go in a different direction and uh, uh, the direction that they would have if they control Congress? And by two points, people were more concerned about Republicans than they were Democrats. And Chuck, to me, I look back at our poll, I think that was kind of the outcome that we ended up seeing, at least so far last night. You know, Bridget, one of the things that we, you know, one of the, one of the great uh, Peter Hart uh, of rules that I've, that Mark and I uh, abide by, which is, you know, always try to, you know, ask poll questions and, and try to prepare yourself for any possible result and try to be able to explain it. And, you know, there was always this one issue with the Republicans that to me was hanging out there. We, we, we talk about it every once in a while. And that was the fact that they didn't have a, they didn't do a reboot. This wasn't a new GOP, you know, in previous, in the pre-Trump era, you know, in 2010, um, after the, after Obama's win and sort of the, the, the perception that it was a repudiation of the Bush era, the Republicans in 2010, they were a new party. We're not the. We're not. We're not part of George W. Bush. Uh, the Democrats in 2018. They did their best to distance themselves from Hillary Clinton. We didn't see any of that 
And it makes you wonder that the Republicans get punished. They may not like what the Democrats are doing, but the Republicans get punished for not offering an alternative. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And, you know, in the days leading up to the election, that was something I kind of kept asking Republican strategists that I was talking to, um, you know, and Democratic strategists, like, what if the opposite happens? What if Democrats actually have a better night than we thought? And that was one thing that I kind of kept hearing from Democrats that, especially in these House races, House races were still really close. And they're we're guessing that maybe voters were taking a more nuanced view than we thought, that they weren't just looking at abortion or inflation. They were looking at uh, the Republican extremism as well and looking at a brand in the Republican Party that they maybe also didn't like. And yes, they were concerned about the economy. Yes, they were concerned about inflation, but they weren't seeing a better alternative in the Republican Party. So maybe that's something that was playing out. And that was something that Democrats are kind of thinking and trying to guess, you know, why are these house races still closer than they maybe should be if Republicans are supposed to have such a good night? You know, Ben, I think one of the reasons why uh, our um, so many of our Republican sources were so bullish is they just assumed independents were going to go two to one Republican because of how sour independents were on Biden, how sour independents were on Democrats. But independents don't like Trump either. And I think that that's that you know, that's got to be a question Republicans got to ask themselves. No, for sure. And you think, take a look at the exit polling, um, too, with this, we thought about this in 2020, what happens to people that just hated everyone, right? Like, you know, the folks who like Democrats are going to go in the democratic routes, the votes who like Republicans go the Republican route. What about the folks that hated, um, everyone? And, you know, we're just kind of down on Republicans, down on Democrats. It looks like that may be a place where Democrats picked up. Um, and that can kind of explain some of the margins that we're seeing. You know, Ben, you were our money guy. I, I, I can't help but sit here and think about all the money we spent in this campaign collectively in both parties. What, what do we think? It's a $2 billion midterm. That's a number I've seen thrown around. Is that, that sound about right to you, Ben? That's to be higher than that. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah. Um, did, we, did we move the political pendulum a quarter of an inch or a half an inch? I mean, I guess that's what we're trying to debate, right? That's a lot of money for status quo. I mean, I, I keep I keep thinking about, I remember I, I used this headline in 2002. I remember those midterms, and that was one of those unusual midterms where the party in power didn't lose seats. It was kind of status quo-ish, and it was like our headline was status quo, but wow. And I guess that's the way I feel. Like We're about to get the semi-status quo. Maybe there'll be a, you know, the, 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 the the name on the on the speaker shingle may change, but not much changed. It's a whole lot of money to end up back in a runoff in Georgia, just like we were two years ago. To decide Senate control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark, how do we break this? I mean, that's the question I got this morning from a whole bunch of I you know, I heard I heard from some what I would call my center left, center right crowds who were just like well, will the Republicans finally dump Trump? Do will they finally see the light on this? And I'm not I don't know what the answer to that question is. Chuck, if pass is any indication at all, they're 
not going to dump them. I mean, look, you know, we end up always seeing a situation where Donald Trump creates the reality that he wants to create. I mean, how many times do we think after impeachment number one, impeachment number two, that they're kind of, and, and I do think as we start transitioning to 2024 and remember 2022 still hasn't been done. We're still counting races, but as we transition to 2024, the kind of question that I have is, which Republican is going to actually have the guts to litigate Donald Trump? Because we actually end up seeing whether you're the FBI, whether you're a political journalist, whether you're a Democrat, the kind of the threats that come with going after Donald Trump. And, you know, will will you want to bring on what is probably coming your way? And I think that some, sometimes, you know, Donald Trump's always response, whether it's in litigation or policy, is to hit super hard. Yeah. And the opposition sometimes doesn't hit hard back. And so I, you know, whether you're Ron DeSantis or some other 2024, are you ready to go after, if you really want to go after Mm -hmm. the king and he's still the king of the Republican Party, you better not miss. Yeah. Hey, let's do a little housekeeping here um, of what's called and what isn't. So we think we're, we're, we think Georgia is going to be a runoff, but that's not a hundred percent. Um, there is enough. There might be enough vote available in Atlanta where you might. It might be worth a recount if you're Warnock to see if you can get to fifty percent. Um, Bridget, do we have any idea if if the Warnock people plan to try to uh, uh, do that like simultaneously? I saw the Secretary of State said that they are planning. Or Gabe Sterling, who works for the Secretary of State, said that they were assuming a runoff. They were planning for it. Yeah. So we. It does seem like that's the indication. I think that was kind of the assumption going into election night was if you asked, you know, folks, which way is Georgia going to go? The most common answer they got was probably going to be a runoff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the key to Georgia being, is this going to decide Senate control? And that's going to change the environment, Mm -hmm. which we saw in 2020, like tons of more, even more money being spent in Georgia and, you know, how fired up will both basis be when the Senate control is on the line is going to be really key. So that's why, you know, I think what happens in Nevada is going to be so key because that's going to tell us too whether it's going to be Georgia. And we think Nevada, do we think, how much clarity do we think we're going to get today uh, in Nevada? I know we're not going to get clarity in Arizona today, but are we going to get some clarity in Nevada? Chuck, I mean, so still there's 20% of the vote that's remaining-ish. And so we think that it's mainly mail-in ballots from Clark and Washoe. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Like, I think our assumption going into this election, remember, was like, you know, Nevada's going to take us yeah. two, three, four days to count all the votes. But I was surprised how quickly Pennsylvania turned out to be last night. Boy, how and about so, that? And so my priors on how fast are we going to do? And I look, I, I think we did all the right thing on the caution for the American public and the electric. Hey, this could be a long right. count, long time. But after what happened in Pennsylvania, maybe we get the the results in Nevada in the next 24 hours. And if we mm-hmm. do, Chuck, that could be the Senate ball game because if somehow Catherine Cortez Mastow ends up holding on in, in uh, Nevada and Mark Kelly ends up winning in Arizona, Democrats would end up controlling the Senate without even knowing the result of that runoff in Georgia. So to me, I'm actually the, the state that I'm most focused on is Nevada right now. Um, I, I am, too, because, you know, Ben, Nevada was sort of, of you know, late uh, in October. 
you started to hear Republicans talk about New Hampshire, but Nevada, of all the four incumbents they targeted, it always felt as if they thought Nevada was their best flip opportunity, more so than Warnock, more so than Kelly, more so than Hassan. Because it was the fundamental state, right? You talk about polarization versus fundamentals. What's your fundamental? Your fundamental is a good candidate recruitment, uh, you know, a, a good candidate keeps you in the ballgame. Obviously, you know, Democrats had a lot to say about Adam Laxalt, his role um, as Trump campaign chair in 2020 and challenging those results. You know, certainly not a perfect candidate, but, you know, former attorney general, he's got a family name, he's got a long um the political background there. So you've got that situation. You've got a relatively new to the Senate um, and, and Catherine Cortez Masso. It's not someone who has built up as long of a career there as maybe some other ones. So maybe that's, you know, puts her a little bit more vulnerable. Then you've got a state that's got hit by the, by the yeah. uh, downturning economy by COVID really hard. I mean, the, the gas price numbers, you look at the gas price numbers go down everywhere except for Nevada. They're <laughs> just you know, sky high there. So it really right. felt like the state where the fundamentals were always looming so large. And it's a state yeah. where Laxalt is actually still up right now on our account, too. Yeah, look, if, if the Democrats win both Arizona and Nevada, then the runoff's not for Senate control. If the Republicans win both Arizona and Nevada, then the runoff's not for Senate control either. Uh, but it's 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 uh, it's on the other side. Obviously, if if it's a split decision, then Georgia's for Senate control, which of course uh, feels like the uh, feels like the outcome um, the the public's going to get whether they like it or not. Um, let's talk about what let's let's shift gears here to Kevin McCarthy. The whole goal for Kevin McCarthy was to get to 230 house seats if he was going to be speaker. And I, I, you know, it's really interesting. Every time he seems to get close to his Holy grail of the speakership, something gets in the way. The first time Mark Murray, he couldn't get the votes and that's how we got Paul Ryan. Um, and you know, here he goes again on the night that he thought he was finally going to be triumphant. And he got Donald Trump to put out a statement saying he endorsed McCarthy being speaker. He doesn't even know if he's got the votes yet. Yeah, Chuck. And also, even before this election, remember, McCarthy was kind of wielding his muscle against the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and other groups, you know, like, hey, if you guys had backed Democrats in the past, you know, you are persona non grata to us. And, you know, it's probably more likely than not that Republicans in, uh, end up winning back the House. It's more likely than not that Kevin McCarthy becomes the speaker. But what kind of speakership is actually having just maybe a four, five, six, seven uh, seat majority in House where you still have to deal with the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Gateses of the world? Can you really corral them uh, on votes to be able to jam uh, the uh, the Biden administration, or even maybe a potentially Democratic held Senate. And so, you know, I, we, we had been always putting Chuck, I think 225 to 230 house seats, it would be a governable majority for Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, to, to, to me, anything that's below that is if they end up taking control of that, that is a, just a shaky place to be always being house speaker for a Republican caucus is never any any easy job. Just think what happened to John Boehner, Paul Ryan. But if Kevin McCarthy gets it with that small of a majority, that might be the biggest challenge we have seen so far. Let me pause there. We need to take a quick break. You're listening to the Chuck Toddcast from Meet the Press. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. 
the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run, the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Bridget, uh, any reason to believe McCarthy's going to struggle to stay Republican leader? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to see... There are a lot of, obviously, races that haven't been called yet. Um, I think we have to see who are the candidates that are emerging from those races. At least so far, some of his preferred candidates are struggling. Um, I was just looking at Arizona 6, um, which is a Juan Siscomani, a Republican who's been touted as a top recruit. I looked two minutes ago, he was behind. Now he's ahead. Like That's going to be super close. If some of his preferred candidates can can hang on, that could maybe help him. Um, cause leading up to the election, Republicans are kind of touting, you know, on the house side, they did maybe a better job of trying to get some of the more, they had um, better recruits, they had yeah. a lot better recruits in the Senate exactly. side, which yeah. helps McCarthy. But if those folks lose, then he's back at square one. And can he have that coalition? I mean, it's going to take somebody to, to run against him, right? You can't beat somebody with nobody, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, Ben Camisar, it. Could she end up being Democratic leader? I don't I think would, we should rule it out, should we? I would say that that decision probably lies with Nancy Pelosi more than anyone else, right? I think. Well, you know, the point is, it's hers if she wants it, right? Nobody's forcing her out. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that in the past. We've seen yeah. the sort of upstart House members try and do that, and you know, I don't have, I don't think there's any indication that if she really want, if she wanted to stay in the fight there, she would probably get it. But to Bridget's point too, you know, it's not just I think you know you have to. So there would have to be a, a challenger that would emerge to McCarthy, but it's also, you know, if this ends up being a three vote margin for, you know, the uh, three vote margin um, of control for Republicans, like McCarthy may not have those votes. It's easier to say, hey, bless me as your speaker. We just won back the House on this historic night where we took all these seats and everyone, you know, that papers over a lot of the internal debates. If there's just, you know, two seat, two seat margin here. I think it's going to be harder for some of those Republicans that didn't want to support McCarthy in the first place to get on board if they think that he's sort of presided over a missed opportunity of a night. And I guess that brings us to Mitch McConnell. 24 hours ago, Mark Murray, Mitch McConnell looked like he was uh, there was a brewing uh, uh, a revolt coming uh, all of a sudden. Um, how's that Rick Scott candidacy going? <laughs> You know, Chuck, I, I, I will say this, uh, you know, the, the Rick Scott was incredibly confident to you on Meet the Press the Sunday Wasn't before they? the election. <laughs> and, you know, a, a lot of times you end up having a situation where these committee chairs and their parties and their apparatuses uh, try to downplay expectations. You know, it's like, hey, you know, the Democrats have given us all that we can handle. Boy, it's tough beating incumbents. We don't know if we're going to do it. We feel confident we're going to get a majority, but we're just going to have to see. 
Rick Scott wasn't that kind of guy at all, Chuck. And, uh, you know, um, you could end up seeing that Republicans like Rick Scott might have thought a huge result was a launching pad for bigger ambitions, whether it's to be majority leader or whether it's for a presidential bid. And again, I still think it's important for us to kind of find out what the final pieces of this midterm puzzle are, because at the end of the day, Republicans still could end up winning back the Senate majority. You could end up having uh, Republicans winning Nevada. Uh, You could end up having Republicans win that runoff in Georgia and all of a sudden say, hey, Republicans, hey, you know what? We just need to see how the election night played out. And so there still might be opportunity for Republicans to crow. But right now where we are, uh, it is not a celebratory situation, whether yeah. you're Rick Scott or even yeah. if you're Mitch McConnell. I, I know that he probably feels a little bit better, but boy, I, last night was not what you wanted to see. You know, Bridget, I'm curious what your Republican sources are telling you, of what, why they think they missed, you know, why they think they, they came up short. I can tell you what I've heard. What I've heard is basically um, – we didn't do as well. The Republican tried to say to me, we didn't do as well in the excerpts as we thought we were going to do. And he goes, I think a bunch of these angry independents didn't show up to vote. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. The That folks who either are Republican or said that they were going to vote Republican just didn't show up. And I think we're going to have to wait to see like what the final data shows. But that was something I remember hearing before the election, like if you ask Republicans what's kind of concerning some to you or what are you worried about? One of them being, you know, they, the way that folks vote so partisanly in terms of how they vote, Republicans really banking on the election day vote to come in, um, in part because of former president Trump kind of fueling doubts about the efficacy of mail-in voting. Like that could hurt Republicans if they don't get that election day turnout that they thought they needed. But yeah, that was sort of the early, early thinking um, that I'm hearing mm-hmm. from some Republicans. Well, then let's talk about sort of the, each party had two, two divergent uh, strategies. Uh, ben, the Republican strategy was, I mean, they decided, especially in October, they had the cash to do it. So they did it. They sort of wish cast, you know, we're going to make it a wave. You know, we're going to throw money at Sean Patrick Maloney and we're going to target hard, uh, the Connecticut five. And we're going after Patty Murray and we're going after Michael Bennett. Uh, they went, you know, they try to broaden their map. The Democrats, to the chagrin of others, you know, they would not expand their map. They dabbled in North Carolina, but they didn't do that much. There's probably going to be some regret there. Uh, they never got into Ohio. They never got into Florida. They never got into Iowa. Uh, they didn't do their reaches. Um, uh, you know, looks like, Ben, the, the, the Democratic strategy looks certainly looks smarter uh, the next day than the Republican strategy does. No, I think that's right. I mean, it's funny. You mentioned Sean Patrick Maloney. It's He's the one sort of like, he's the one. But, yeah, the story get about, so we, get, we can yeah, get okay. back to that one in a minute. But I just, yeah. it's funny Is it half a, half a billion dollars, basically, <laughs> to get Sean Patrick Maloney, right? I, some, some Republicans might take that uh, bet. But, you know, notwithstanding, I think you're right, right? You know, part of the strategy was born by just, you know, the, 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 the house, the cards they were dealt. I mean, I, we talk about this, you know, we've talked about this before. I think people forget how well Republicans did in the House in 2020. Like they mm-hmm. won enough seats to put, they, if they win the majority tonight, it's because they won the majority. You know, we just didn't know it in 2020. Mm-hmm. They won so many of those low hanging fruit seats that, you know, at least in the, you know, the Democrats partially their strategy of defense, defense, defense was born out of the fact that they just, you know, 
they, they had to, they had so many incumbents that, that were on their back mm-hmm. foot. Um, but no, I think it is, you know, at the end of the day, um, when all of, you know, all of the signals are pointing toward, you know, this is going to be a good night for Republicans, issues like inflation and crime mm-hmm. are pushing things. I understand why they wanted to push the envelope, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta follow through. All right. Let's, uh, two final, uh, areas I want to get to. Number one, the one state wave. And I say this not not to diminish what Ron DeSantis did, but I do think, Mark, that the, you know, what we were watching in Florida was everybody was going, oh, wow, if this at all looks like the rest of the country, watch out. Well, it turned out it didn't look like any other part of the country. I mean, I think I've seen where, um, what is it? Uh, uh, Rubio and DeSantis did better than like Senate candidates and, and Gov candidates and uh, Republicans like places like Iowa, places like Kansas, places like, you know, um, Florida. This is there is no doubt there is one big Republican winner, and it's Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, Chuck, you know, Marco Rubio. I mean, the thumping that Republicans were able to deliver last night was in Florida. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a reminder of like Val Demings was a great candidate and great recruit for Senate Democrats. And people can make fun of Charlie Chris. Oh, he's lost past statewide elections before. But you know what? It made me a better other person that they could have actually have gotten to be their gubernatorial nominee. Maybe Stephanie Murphy, maybe, you know, maybe there was someone else, but it wasn't like that the Democrats were only offering up chopped liver as their one and two candidates on the top of the ticket. And Ron DeSantis ended up just blowing through them. And I end up looking, Chuck, you know, you know, Miami Dade really tells the whole story that, you know, this is now a Republican bastion. Hillary Clinton just in 2016 won that overwhelmingly. 64% she got. Yeah. 64%. But that was before uh, the socialism word became such a such a problematic word for the Democrats. Definitely. Yeah. And Chuck, Democrats are going to have to figure out why, mm-hmm. how, how they went from their commanding lead in Miami Dade in 2016 to now. And I, I think yeah. you hit it. One of the big reasons why. Oh, I, I think so. By the way, my two favorite stats from uh, your uh, home state there in Texas and from my home state of Florida, my favorite stat Mark in Texas was, I think, uh, Beto O'Rourke, outspent the 2018 gubernatorial nominee 66 he spent 66 million dollars she spent a million dollars and all he did was improve on her margins in travis county and that was it yeah and chuck it it is a reminder last night that you know what the the blue places got Mm -hmm. stay blue red like texas and florida stayed red and we're seeing the 2020 battlegrounds lean in Democrats direction, but there are some places we don't have the final verdict yet. But yeah, I mean, this was not going to be the environment we haven't seen other than a place like Kansas, where Laura Kelly's holding on Democrats in red areas, and maybe Kansas isn't a red area anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, It's not like Democrats use that enthusiasm and polarization to their benefit in red states. And, And by the way, the fun little factoid in Florida is Charlie Crist, has lost elections to every single statewide Republican in the big three seats. He's lost statewide races to DeSantis, Rick Scott, and Marco Rubio. So, uh, and you can kind of say he lost to Rubio twice. He was losing the primary and got out and then ended up losing uh, the general there. Let's talk about the White House. You know, uh, Bridget, Joe Biden had a great, always had used this great expression, 
You know, don't judge me against the almighty. Judge me against the alternative. The alternative has been very, very good to Joe Biden. He may be sitting at 44, 45%, but as long as Donald Trump is anywhere in the political arena, Joe Biden looks okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I think, you know, that was his message, Biden's message going into the final days. This is a choice, not a referendum. He kept saying that over and over again. And I, I think, know part of me though, didn't think they really believed it, but that yeah. you they were just saying <laughs> it, but say, you know, yeah, yeah, right? you say? Know. yeah exactly. but I mean, hearing from folks, you know, I feel we're hearing from folks in both parties, this election is going to come down to the undecided voters who don't, who are saying they don't really like president Biden, but it right. either that didn't matter or they just didn't like the Republicans more. Like that's just kind of a strange dynamic that yes, mm-hmm. you know, these Democrats were able to either, outrun Biden by a good amount, maybe because of the alternative, as the president said. Well, Ben, look, had, had Republicans gotten even a midsize way, the conversation that would be had this morning would be about what are Democrats going to do about their woke left? But that is not what happened, which is why this conversation is about well, what are Republicans going to do about the Trump right? I mean, you know, we know the middle doesn't like the woke left or the Trump right. And the question was, what's what's more toxic to that middle? It turns out it's Trump. Yeah, and I think it's 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 not just Trump. It's also just sort of the way he has shifted Republican Trumpism. You know, yeah, exactly. Almost. And I think yeah. you know you look at kind of where these Democratic flips happen. Um, you think about places like Maryland Gov, Massachusetts Gov, um, Pennsylvania. Um, you know the North Carolina thirteen, um, Ohio one. I mean, these are places all where the Republican nominee, one of, you know, was was very vocally questioning the results of the 2020 election, something that was not on the table until Donald Trump came in and put that on the table for Republicans. And, you know, it became a litmus test. And, you know, when you have a litmus test that is not popular with independent, swingy, whatever you want to call them, voters, it turns out that they will vote against you and they'll take some of these places off the board. So, Mark, do we think, you know, there our poll showed and the exit poll shows the country wants Biden to do a course correction, but these election results may send a different message or they may decide to accept a different message rather uh, than a course correction. Yeah. Look, the course corrections have always been important to pass reelection performances, whether you were Bill Clinton and really needed that thumping from 1994 to position yourself in 1996, you know, Barack Obama, you know, needed Republicans to win back the House of Representatives and be the foil for him and for him to actually talk about Paul Ryan's budget plan and everything that they wanted to be able to do uh, that was instrumental in his reelection in 2012. And so, you know, Joe Biden and Democrats, if uh, this midterm continues to play out like it like it did last night. I don't think we're going to see any kind of course correction. And in normal times, that actually could be problematic. That Democrats decide that they don't, mm. you know, that they don't have a problem, and it's clear that they end up doing. But I also end up saying like we aren't also living in normal times where the kind of right. the normal yin and yang of our politics. Like, well, you need the the midterm thumping to position yourself for reelection. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of those old rules no yeah. longer apply, and we're also dealing with someone who would end up being 81 years old right. running for re-election. So that's a whole different kind of, of, of equ- part of the equation as well, too. Well, look, the Democrats got to be careful here. The Republicans decided not to course correct after 20. They thought they, you know, they thought they were close enough they didn't need to. And, you know, it was something I took away from my Wisconsin trip when I was trying to do the, the long story about 
how, you know, this polarization in, in Wisconsin, what's it take to break it? And I believe it was Tommy Thompson who said the biggest problem is neither party loses by enough to actually look in the mirror. And I don't, you know, I guess I'm going to end with where we started. I mean, do we think the Republicans will course correct? Do we think the Democrats will course correct? Uh, and I'll make this the last uh, roundabout, Bridget. Yeah, I I mean, I would say no to both. I'm just looking over here at my list of House flips. And to the point Ben was making, Democrats picked up seats that Biden won that were held by Republicans. Most of the Republican flips are in seats that Trump won that were held by Democrats. So they're <laughs> basically they're winning and Republicans are winning in Republican places. Democrats are winning in Democratic places. So mm-hmm. the lesson there, we just need to turn our people out. And if that's the lesson, then you don't need a course correction. So it's going to, yeah, we're going to have to yeah. see what folks say is the lesson here. Yeah. Good luck, America, huh, Ben? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, on the Republican side, you can't course correct. You've built this whole thing around Donald Trump. Like, you know, for it's we're already in the air. We're flying. The entire fundraising apparatus, all of your turnout, yep. it's all written around Donald Trump. You can't course correct at this point. They are with him. It's a Lindsey Graham program. They're, you know, they're going with him because it's, they're going to grow more with him than they won't, than they will without him at this point. But I think on the Democratic side, I still think there has been an attempt to course correct. I mean, you see all these, you know, direct to camera ads with the police officers saying to fund the police. I want to, you know, give yeah. them all this new money, you know? So I think there is more of an inkling on the democratic side to force correct. I just wonder if that filters down to the voters. We'll see. I mean, I, look, I, I, if Joe Biden doesn't sign a bill to put a hundred thousand cops on the street or whatever it is in the next year, I'll be shocked. Don't you think Mark Murray? I mean, like if that's the one thing he can do with Republicans, you'd think he'd do it. Yeah, you would think, but I can, Will there be the votes from House yeah. Democrats? And I, I, I just don't know, Chuck. I, 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 well, I and we don't question. know if Republicans even want to help, you know, even want to participate in governing like that. So it's going to be, I, you know, I, I don't I don't think we know for sure how this is going to play out, uh, this very tight uh, split decision that we could have. Anyway. All right. Uh, what was your sh- – and it would, did, let, let me actually leave you in this. Did anything last night – what was your biggest surprise? Bridget. That's a good question. I feel like just the the house the house mm-hmm. um the way the house races are breaking, I think was generally a yeah. surprise. And it was reminiscent of twenty twenty when we were sitting there like these house races are going in a different direction than we yep. thought they would. Um which again yep. maybe speaks to the polarization point, right? Yep. Like Republicans are winning where Republicans have won. Um so yeah, that was probably my biggest surprise that where the house races moved. Ben? I'd say that we called Pennsylvania, first of all. That yeah. was a surprise. Fair and, enough. And that I, 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 you know, I thought DeSantis would do, would do well. I thought he'd push high single mm-hmm. digits, low double digits, and he just blew right past that. Yeah. Mr. Murray. Lauren Boebert trailing? Uh, you took mine. That's where I was going. <laughs> I'm with you. I was like, wow. Although, like I said, that's an old – it was Ken Salazar, John Salazar back in the day. The Salazar brothers would represent that area. So it, it, it isn't that unfamiliar to Democrats campaigning there, but still, wow. <laughs> I've had my eye on that one as we've been talking, and she's closing the gap, but she's still yeah. not there. Well, it's it she's she's an ex, sort of exhibit F on the idea that, hey, voters are rejecting the Trump stuff. You know, they don't want that style of politics and see, like, you know, even if she wins, ekes it out. 
that's not a district you should be eking it out if you're a Republican. Anyway. Um, well, we did it, guys. We made it through another midterm. So uh, we still got to count a lot of vote out in the West. So, we'll, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get it done by Thanksgiving. And uh, and then Mr. Warnock, uh, the week after the SEC title game. You game, Mark? I'm game, Chuck. Let's do this. But a little yeah. more coffee and a little more sleep, man. Uh, I know. <laughs> Look, we're going to do another hour election special. On, we think this is now going to become a tradition. The second night of an election special on night two of counting the vote. So we'll do that on NBC News now uh, uh, later this evening. Ben, uh, Bridget, Mark, uh, great night, great week, great year. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to the Chuck Toncast from Meet the Press. Today's episode was produced by Elias Miller and Matt Rivera. The theme music is composed by Spoke Media. Meet the Press now is live every day at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBC News Now. It is available on demand whenever you want it after it airs. Meet the Press Reports is available to binge anytime wherever you get NBC News video. That can be YouTube, Peacock, you name it. And then there's the big show on Sunday mornings. So thanks for listening. And until we upload again. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.